0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. When Governor Rick Snyder took office, he stressed the need for Michigan and Detroit more specifically to diversify... The economy and industries as a means to compete on a national and global scale. The state has offered massive tax incentive packages to various companies and industries to attract business to the region. Uh, The governor at one point said, Oh, no more incentives. We're going to try to grow businesses here. Uh, Economic gardening was a phrase that he used for a long time. Many times those efforts have proved fruitless, though, or at least they did not reap the intended benefit. For The Michigan workforce. So, what are the possible solutions and paths forward for job creation and security in our state and region? One local organization says the best way to maintain high quality jobs is to incentivize employee owned businesses to anchor the businesses and industry in place and people as opposed to in profit. Uh, joining me now to talk more about this is Deb Olson. She's the executive director of Detroit's Center for Community Based Enterprise. Deb, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Thank you so much, Stephen. It's a delight to be here. Yeah.
0: So I I love this concept because uh, I love the idea of turning things on their head and saying, well, you're thinking about it this way and you're doing it this way. But really, if you thought about it through a different lens and if you approached it differently, you might get different results. And I, I feel like sort of a shorthand for what you guys are doing is trying to deed the jobs to the community as opposed to deeding them to corporations who sort of jump from place to place, look for incentives, look for reasons to be here or there temporarily, if you can deed them to the people and to the community, they have more of a chance of staying. Is that a, is that a fair assessment?
1: Well, that's an interesting way to, to put it. I yeah. would say that um, one of the things you're getting to there is in a global economy, corporations don't have any particular reason to have their facilities in any particular place except generally to have the best deal for them. And so, for example, we got started in 2007 partly because we saw that the auto industry was in a situation where, first of all, it was becoming a troubled industry, but Uh also it really didn't need Detroit. Detroit was built around this industry, but this industry now had facilities all over the world, Yeah, had no need necessarily for Detroit, but Detroit still needed, Detroiters still needed Detroit. Yeah. So the issue was, how do we find a way for people to build a strong, sustainable, and inclusive local economy? Because we also know that there are quite a few people in this community who have not been included in the economy so much. And so our focus has really been on how to build a local economy. And there are other places in the world where people have been very successful using worker ownership as a system and a method for building sustainable local businesses that really support the economy and support the local community. Yeah. Uh,
0: Talk about this idea of Employee ownership, uh, a proven means of building resilient, locally anchored businesses that provide good jobs. Uh, You know, a lot of times when I talk with people about uh, who owns businesses and who works for them, they say, "Well, you know, it's not for everybody owning a business." And somebody who does own a very small business, I tell you, it's not. It's not easy. Uh, uh, But but why is that the focus of? of what you guys are, are talking about here. Well,
1: there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, first of all, while owning a business is not the easiest thing for everybody to do, that's one of the things about worker ownership with a group of people. It you're not makes doing it, it by yourself. You're not doing it by yourself. It makes it easier to do. I mean, one of the reasons that, that we're here is because we did this silver tsunami study. So one issue that's going on is that about half of the businesses in the United States right now, privately held businesses, mm-hmm. are owned by people who are baby boomers like me and people who are going to retire within the next 10 to 20 years, probably closer to 10. Um, and so there was a study that was done showing that nationally about 25 million jobs were at stake. So we decided we needed to do a study to really look at what does this mean in southeast Michigan. Mm-hmm. And what we found in our study on seven counties in southeast Michigan is that there are about 400,000 jobs at stake because most people who are own private businesses do not have a succession plan. Something like 75 to 80 percent do not have a succession plan which means if they don't have children who want to take it over, and increasingly what people happen, right? increasingly people do not have children who want to take over their businesses, um, then often they get sold um, for the assets or mm-hmm. very frequently they sell their customer list to a, to a competitor, and that's it, and the jobs go away. Um, and it's because a lot of people don't like to think about the possibility that they're going to get old and they might eventually die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but many people who do plan... Uh, are able to use employee ownership as an excellent method for not only keeping, uh, getting the business sold, which sometimes is difficult for the small business because you may not be able to find a good buyer, um, but when you have the employees as a buyer and you plan for it, uh, then you can plan the management change and you can teach people to do the things they need to do. You can bring in, if you need extra, you know, if you need a new CFO or something and you plan this over a five-year period, you can bring in the people you need so that you can have a smooth transition, about probably somewhere between 95 and 99% of the employee-owned businesses in the company were created this way. Um, There are about 15 million people in the United States in 9,600-plus employee-owned businesses of various kinds. So this is a real thing that goes on in America, and most of it comes out by this kind of conversion. So we thought it was very important to let people know that this is an option because most business owners have never thought about selling to their employees. Mm -hmm. And it's not automatically something that's gonna work for everybody. You have to work out the the many things. One of the things our center does, our center is uh, lawyers and financial people and uh, developers, and we specifically help people figure out how to do this. We are funded uh, for the work that we do in the neighborhoods because we do quite a bit of work in the neighborhoods for startup businesses. We're funded in the neighborhoods by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation and the United Way. And so we are working with quite a few neighborhood businesses, but we are also focusing on trying to get the word out to existing business owners that conversion to employee ownership can be done in a number of different ways. The most common way that people know about is employee stock ownership plans, but they are kind of complicated, although we certainly know how to do them. I've done them for years. But there are also things like worker co-ops and employee ownership trusts, which are much less expensive. And we know how to do those, too. Or as we say to many of the businesses we work with, you don't have to be a nail because we've got a lot more than hammers <laughs> in our toolbox. Right. And so because amongst our lawyers, we have over 100 years of uh, legal experience and we have about 50 years amongst our um, business people. So um, employee ownership has been proven in many places to do a very good job. The, The statistics are wonderful. I mean it shows that employee owned companies in general pay better, last longer, are more profitable, much more resilient in times sure. of uh, in bad times. Because yeah. basically, employee owners don't lay themselves off. Right. They go figure out something else <laughs> to do. They go figure out another way to make things work. And right? they're great examples of that. I mean, there's an example of a company in Ohio that was making the the um, uh, equipment that chewed the channel, you know, huge mm-hmm. earth-moving equipment. And they became an employee-owned company, and they said, you know, this earth-moving equipment business is not so big as it used to be. And so they gave all of their employee owners 10% time to think about other things. Mm-hmm. And within five years, they had tripled their revenue because they were now making not only channel cutters, but medical equipment and other right. things. Right. So there are there are a number of good stories. And um, so it, yeah. it's very much something that has happened a lot and it, it works. And I guess the other thing I want to say is it's also working in the neighborhoods on a somewhat different basis. We think it's really important uh, particularly with people who are doing small businesses and right. don't have a lot of resources to work That's together. That's
0: what I was going to want to ask about the, the, the capital aspect of this. I think makes it an even bigger hurdle for people in Detroit neighborhoods. For instance, they may have uh, an idea, they may have something, they may want may want to do. Access to capital is still, you know, grossly imbalanced in this city. I feel like, and and the idea that uh, employee owned businesses sort of as a way forward maybe i don't know how does that fit with 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 that
1: other problem that's a really great question access to capital is an interesting problem we actually have capital sources in this city that are very interested in lending to minority businesses sure and the problem they have is finding people who have got all the things together that they need right particularly you know having a business plan and understanding mm-hmm. what they're doing etc so one of the advantages of our organization is people come to us and we Often say, okay, well, you got a great idea, but you need a business plan. And sure. so, for example, uh, one of our one of our um, project partners—that's what we call our clients mm-hmm. because it's a more equitable thing—is Pingree, um, Pingree Manufacturing, which came to us as a great idea from uh, Jared Schloff. and uh, they now are in manufacturing. They're making leather re- recycled leather bags. They're beginning to make shoes, and he's employing. Um, uh, people who were formerly homeless, veterans, mm-hmm. uh, a number of them people of color, and um, he was able to do that because he had a great idea. But also, uh, one of the things we do is we bring together cohorts. We have we have uh, several cohorts of businesses. We have a textile cohort, a food cohort, an entertainment cohort. When we got the textile cohort together, some of the people from a different business met Jared became very involved in that business, became basically the trainer for their sewers. Right. And so over over the last couple of years, we've helped them pull together the various pieces. I mean, one of the things they actually have, even though they're designed to be basically a worker co-op, um, they have an outside equity investor. And one of the things we were able to do was design a form of equity for that investor that would not enable them to kill off the co-op right. and make the... and, and wash away the worker owners, and that's not an easy thing. So I think the thing that we bring as a resource is the ability to help people find the resources and put together the teams they need to be able to build what they have to build. And so the other thing that we think is really important is creating a network of these businesses. We see ourselves as a shared resource. We know that in other places like Mondragon in Spain and Emilia Romagna in Italy, in uh, Ohio and in California, people have created these centers that provide this kind of resource so that these small employee-owned businesses are able to help each other and and also jointly pay a small amount to get very high-class help. Right. Right. And so that's what we do on that end. But the other thing I just want to emphasize is we are very interested in retiring business owners, and we provide, generally in that case, it's fee-for-service work, but we are very interested in talking to any Possible retiring business owner, we give a free half-hour consultation, Right. and we are trying to do things so that we make it as convenient as possible for them if they're at all interested in worker ownership to come talk to us and see if it's possible. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I'm curious about whether you think this kind of thing is mutually exclusive with the bigger kind of job growth things that we that we chase after around here. So think of the Amazon pitch, for instance. Right, fifty thousand jobs. Supposedly, uh, if we if we got that, uh, is that something that works in concert with what you're talking about, or is it or is it just the wrong the wrong approach? Is that the old way, and we shouldn't be thinking that way anymore?
1: Well, I wouldn't make it an either or, except for the issue of resource allocation.
0: Sure. So, Think for of example, how much we put into that, right?
1: For example, in in New York City and Madison, Wisconsin, both of those communities have decided to invest in uh, providing uh, resources for co- cooperative support groups like ours to help create worker owned businesses, mm-hmm. and so i don 't think it's bad necessarily. I mean, I think that chasing those kinds of businesses creates an overall problem um, in the economy that's not good for all of the governments, but besides that intellectual uh, in, piece, in the sense
0: of in the sense of uh, competing or yeah, competing
1: and and using enormous amounts of government resources to pay for things that private industry probably can afford. <laughs> Should pick up on their own, right? While at the same time not providing the kinds of resources that would help these smaller businesses. I mean, clearly— Yeah, we're not
0: doing as much on that end.
1: A lot more could be done. And in fact, in the places uh, in, in Spain and Italy and New York and Madison, Wisconsin, where this is happening— They're getting a lot more jobs created because exactly the people that you and I know have trouble putting together a business, but Mm -hmm. there are many people in our neighborhoods in Detroit who have great business ideas and not a lot of connections to people who can help them and maybe not all the expertise they need. But if you bring together groups of people and you get them connected, it works. But getting that connection to help and frankly, providing the kind of high-end technical resources that we provide, you can't do it without money. Yeah.
0: Okay, Deb Olson, Executive Director of Detroit Center for Community-Based Enterprise. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today.
1: Well, thank you very much, Stephen. Really fascinating
0: program. Thanks for sharing with us. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back on Monday. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber-Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And associate producers are Gus Navarro, Aaron Allen, and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you on Monday.